0: bit by bit, the event that split history into before and after and changed the world took place 30 years before Paul wrote this letter. The event was the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is the hinge of history. And when this letter was first read out To the believers in Rome, it would have probably have been read by a mere handful of believers. Written by an amazing man called Paul. He wasn't always called Paul, as we know. His uh, original name was Saul of Tarsus. But he was one who met the risen Lord Jesus on the road to Damascus in Syria. And he gave himself the name Paul. Saul is a kingly name. Paul means runtish, small, diminutive. And I find it amazing that Saul would give himself that name. Once a persecutor of the church, an enemy of Jesus Christ, he calls himself in this letter a servant of Jesus Christ, a slave of Jesus Christ. And without a doubt, Paul became the most influential follower of Jesus. Just this one letter has had an amazing influence and changed the course of history. Martin Luther, when he read this book, it transformed his life and transformed the church. John Wesley, when he heard just the introduction to the letter, was transformed. And some believe that saved the United Kingdom from revolution. And there was revival instead. I say that as an encouragement to you because when we read this passage, as I did for the first time, I thought, what on earth am I going to say about this? Because throughout the book of Romans, Paul is working out, and Paul is grappling with the big themes of what it means to believe, what it means to say Jesus saves, to say Jesus is Lord. What does it mean to live in the kingdom of light as opposed to being in the kingdom of darkness and so we pick up and i'm just going to reread a few verses that edward um, uh, spoke on the last time we were looking at romans so chapter 6 and verse 11 if we could have that please on the screen thank you in the same way count yourselves dead to sin but alive to god in christ jesus but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I put this in human terms because you are weak in your natural selves, just as you used to offer the parts of your body in slavery to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness. So now, offer them in slavery to righteousness, leading to holiness. Once you were slaves to sin, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God. The benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Do come in, Ruth, because we were waiting for you anyway. I know. Just a quick quiz for you. Those of you who like um, uh, guessing lyrics of songs, uh, first want to put their hands up. Uh, I don't, we haven't got a prize, but um, just in the sense of um, feeling good about yourself or not, as the case may be. You may be an ambassador to England or France. You may like to gamble, you may like to dance. You may be the heavyweight champion of the world, you may be a socialite with a long string of pearls. Henry, I thought you'd be there by now. We'll carry on. It's quite a long song, so you've got, have we got one? Oh, no, no, don't Google. You might be a rock-and-roll addict prancing on the stage. You might have drugs at your command, women in a cage. You may be a businessman or some high-degree thief. You may call your, you, they may call you doctor, and they may call you chief. You may be a state trooper... You know it's American. You might be a young Turk. You may, have the head, you may be the head of some big TV network. You may be rich or poor. You may be blind or lame. You may be living in another country under another name. Anyone got it yet? Not talking heads. You may be a construction worker working on a home. Might be living in a mansion. Might be living in a dome. You might own guns and you might even own tanks. You might be somebody's landlord. You might even own banks. You may be a preacher with your spiritual pride. You may be a city councilman taking bribes on the side. You may be working in a barbershop. You may know how to cut hair, Stacy. You may be someone's mistress, maybe someone's heir. I'll tell you the chorus, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Bob Dylan. Yes, you're going to have to serve somebody. And it may be the devil. Or it may be the Lord. But you're going to have to serve somebody. You never knew Paul and Bob Dylan had so much in common because that song could have been lifted from Romans chapter 6. Both Paul... And Bob Dylan in that song understand that we are slaves to the one we obey if I was to ask you who or what has mastery over you what would you say who or what has mastery over you Jesus himself said that no one can serve two masters you will Love one and hate the other. Yet Jesus also said, take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I find it it quite a challenge in this passage because Paul talks a lot about slavery. That we are either a slave to sin or a slave to righteousness. Righteousness. Yet in other parts of the scriptures, you will know that Jesus calls us his friends. Other parts of the scriptures, Paul, the apostle, says that we are sons and daughters of the living God because we have been adopted into his family. But in this passage to the Roman church, he talks about slavery. And they would have not have liked it. I mean, what conjures up in your mind when you think of the word Slave. I would guess it's not a very positive image. Paul is making a point. I mean, Roman slaves were normally captured in war. They'd been conquered. They would have been paraded through the streets. They would have been sold in marketplaces. They were someone else's possession to do with what they wanted. We bulk at the idea of slavery and rightly so, it was abolished even though it still is practiced across our world. It's just not called slavery, it's called trafficking. The British, as my wife reminded me this week, we don't like the idea of being slaves. Rule Britannia. Britannia rules The waves. Mm. Britons shall never, never, never be slaves. Paul says we're all slaves. And we will either be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or we will be slaves to obedience, which leads to righteousness which leads to holiness, which leads to eternal life in God. Paul is making the point that self-surrender leads to slavery. Paul describes himself as a slave of Jesus Christ, a servant of Jesus Christ. They're similar words, and we would prefer the word servant, wouldn't we? Maybe I'm just the only one. I'd rather be a servant of Jesus Christ than a slave of Jesus Christ because of the connotations that those words have. But Paul is making the point, I no longer live for myself, I live for God. So what's Paul getting at in this passage? I'm sure he uses, because he doesn't use words lightly, I'm sure he uses the word slavery deliberately to make his point. He is answering a question. Because... People have understood his teachings. That we are no longer under law, but we are under grace. And thank God for that. Because the law cannot save us. We are under grace. Jesus saves. But there were those who were saying, well, if we're not under law and we're under grace, that means we have no more rules. That means that as Christians, we don't need to be obedient and there is no more penalty for sin because Jesus cleanses us of all of our sin. But Paul says you have misunderstood grace. Obedience to sin leads to death. He says in this passage that sin pays wages. And the wages of sin... A death, because sin separates us from God. Yes, Jesus has paved the way and he has brought us back. But Paul says, once we have been transferred into the kingdom of light, then we serve a new master. And we are called to obedience, not because we have to, to earn God's favor, but because we want to, to please God. So we are obedient to obedience, which leads to righteousness. Because we have received what we don't deserve. And the outworking of that in thankfulness to God is a life lived in obedience to His ways. The criticism of Paul throughout his ministry that he was giving license for sin. The legalists preferred the law. But as Paul again and again says, the law does not lead to life. It cannot save. It cannot rescue. All it does is show us how far we have fallen. And if you think about it, the idea that if we have no laws or rules anymore would lead to freedom is not true if you remember the riots of a few years ago there were no rules there were no laws and there was anarchy it doesn't lead to freedom so paul says in answer to that question since we're not under law, but we're under grace, shall we sin more? He says, no, by no means, never, not on your life. If I don't know what phrase he would have used otherwise, but it's just no. Because as believers, we have a new master. We are under new management. And even if the old master keeps coming, calling on us, we can say no. and the old master does keep calling, does keep knocking, does keep tempting us, we say no. It'd be like Gareth Bale. For those of you who don't know, he's uh, the most expensive footballer on planet Earth. And he's moved from Tottenham to Real Madrid. And it'd be like his old manager Andre Villas-Boas, ringing him up and telling him, I want you to play like this. This is the way I want you to play. And Gareth Bale can say, no, I'm not. I'm under new management. And the new manager wants me to play like this. And he would have every right to say so. We are under a new manager if we are in Christ Jesus doesn't mean that the old one doesn't keep calling us up and saying, I want you to play this way. But we say, no. I'm under new management now. I'm not playing the way you want me to anymore. We have a new allegiance. And it's an allegiance to Jesus Christ it's an allegiance that paul took so seriously that he gave himself the name paul that he called himself a slave of jesus christ because jesus was everything to him and that's the hallmark of someone who is sold out to the new manager the new master we have been given a new heart. A new heart that desires to live for the glory of God and to be engaged in all that the Lord is doing. And God is putting the world to rights. I know we would rather him do it quicker. And if we were God, we would probably have a different way of doing it. But he is putting the world to rights. And he has called us to be part of that. To be part of his mission community. But whenever we step over the line and declare that Jesus is Lord and is our new master, the battle intensifies. Spiritual warfare steps up a notch. because the enemy doesn't want us to glorify God and would seek to trip us up. So Paul is calling in a a big picture for the, the church of Jesus Christ to desire holiness, to desire to be obedient to God, to turn away from sin. And thanks be to God that his grace is sufficient for us that when we fall down, we come back to him and we say, Lord, forgive us. But that is not something that we take lightly. We must grieve over that sin in our lives. Because habitual sin, and repeated and repeated and repeated sin reveals that we're still slaves to them. Whatever has mastery over you, you are a slave to. As Christians, we are to be the evidence of a new creation underway. God's kingdom is coming. It's underway already, but it's coming in all its fullness. By faith in Jesus, we have been transferred. So, when the old manager keeps calling you, don't answer the phone. Change your number. Question was once asked of C.H. Spurgeon, great man of God. Can we live a sinless life? And he said, yes and no. In fact, he tells the story of a woman who claimed that she had achieved sinless perfection because she had not sinned in years. I mean, that's quite something to tell C.H. Spurgeon. And he recalls how someone stood heavily on her toes. I have a sneaky suspicion it was Spurgeon himself, but we're not told in the story. If ever, he was quite a big man. And he said that her sinless perfection left her like the morning dew. We may never be free from sin completely, this side of glory and this side of heaven, but we no longer need to be mastered by it. That is what Paul is saying. Who is your master? Who rules and reigns? Because that's the one who you serve. Who's calling the shots? As those who believe in Jesus, we have been forgiven. We continue to be forgiven. We live in that relationship where we're constantly so grateful for His grace. But the only power that sin has over us is what we give to it, is what we surrender to it. Because we have been set free to be obedient, not because we must, to earn God's favor on us. He loves us, He died for us. No one can ever take that away. Our obedience is not to earn his love, but to bring him pleasure. To say, you come first in my life. Because a holy life is a God-centered life. World renouncing, sin-hating, and that is a powerful life. It stands out in the world. It is totally different. And because our hearts have been changed, our motivation is different. And so Paul provocatively, maybe, says we are slaves, either to sin or to obedience. But slavery to God is a very different kind of slavery. Slavery to God is joyful obedience. It is a victory over sin. And whenever any of us has a victory over sin, it feels good. Because we are doing what we were made to be. That's why we feel wretched when we give in to it. But Paul wants us to know that it's not just a passive thing because we've become Christians. We'll wait for God to sanctify us. You know, we'll just wait for the glory to fall on us. You know, we'll be transformed. But he says it's not a passive thing. No, we can't take captive sin we turn the tables on sin we imprison sin rather than sin imprisoning us because we have the power in christ to do it taking thoughts captive taking mindsets captive even putting to death the sins that once so mastered us in the power Of the Holy Spirit. And as slaves to God, we experience complete freedom freedom to love God and to know His love and to be ambassadors for Him. So, who are we going to serve? Is Paul's question. And he says to the Romans, if you haven't already handed in your resignation to sin, do it now. No, you may not live a sinless life, but you will not be mastered by it. It will not be the one that calls the shots because you are under new management. The enemy seeks to destroy us, but God's gift is eternal life. We're called to follow him. It's what Jesus said when he walked on this earth Follow me. Do life with me. See how I do it. Follow me. Let's pray together. In this